Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Before we begin, a quick one-minute note from our sponsor. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at uh, about 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off into a ditch. And the impact of the, of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. But the hospital, a CT scan showed that my thyroid nodules ended up being cancerous. And uh, so when I had a biopsy in my neck to address these nodules to see if they were cancerous, that I realized even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't go for a second or a third biopsy because of the pain and invasiveness. And appointments with thyroid experts were three to four months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. I didn't want to wait. Because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids of the causes of anxiety and depression, which is a condition affecting 50 million plus Americans and hundreds of millions worldwide. The goal is to create a codex. It's a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for either people that have it or for their loved ones that do. Uh, to find more about the fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now to my guest today, uh, Eric Roy, the CEO of Hydroviv. We're going to talk about uh, water filtration that they do and the current water crisis. So, Eric, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me about uh, Hydroviv. What's the uh, the premise of the company? Yeah, the entire premise of the company is that water across the country, across the United States, is different. And we believe at Hydroviv that the filter should actually match the water. So the thing that makes us different, again, is we actually optimize the filters that we sell for the customer's water. Interesting. So. How does water differ, you know, if I'm in Michigan versus Florida? I mean, I've, I've tasted water that's like, like pool water when I was in Washington, D.C., you know, just visiting. But what's the difference in, in waters? How different are they? Oh, it, it can be really, really different because, you know, if you look, there's the water source. So if you're getting water from the ground versus a lake versus a, li- or versus a river, the potential contaminants can be different. 
you live in an old house or an old city with a lot of lead pipes, that can be different than a new home. And then, you know, there's just different contaminants um, in different parts of the country. For example, I come from Maine. So, you know, Maine is in what's called the arsenic belt, uh, meaning that if you have, if you get your water from the ground, there's a high likelihood it has arsenic in it. And that, you know, it's no fault of your own, you know, it's just part of the geology. And if you contrast that with where I currently live, Washington, D.C., you know, Washington, D.C. gets its water from the Potomac River. And then, you know, so, you know, the rivers don't tend to have arsenic in them. So that's just, it's, it's just a difference in the chemistry. Yeah. And like I said, I noticed when I was in Washington years ago, it's like the water seems to be very chlorinated. It feels like, I don't know if you've experienced that or what have you noticed locally with yourself? What's in it predominantly? Well, I mean, again, I'm, I'm from Maine. So moving to DC was a pretty big, you know, when you're looking at water, I basically had pull and spring water come out of my tap at home, <laughs> you know, or, you know, so the taste was different. One of the things that's unique about Washington DC is that we use a, to disinfect our water. We use a primary disinfectant that's called chloramine instead of chlorine, um, which from a water filtration standpoint, to make the water taste good, you have to treat it a little bit differently. Okay. So you said your filters are different to match the, the local conditions of the water. How do you do that? How many different variations are there, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, it's a manual process. There's no way around it. So we actually have a team of scientists at Hydrabeeb that when an order comes in, you know, through our website, we actually do research on that water before we build the filter and ship it out to the customer. So it's labor intensive, but we think it's worth it. You know, if you look at the different types of water across the country, you know, we've already talked a little bit about how groundwater can be different than surface water, depending on where you are in different parts of the country. We've also already mentioned how the disinfectant that's used can impact the water filtration. So yeah, we have, we have quite a few different filters that we build a bunch of different configurations that we use them in. And as the end result, ultimately the person, you know, each customer gets kind of the best filter for their water. Yeah. A friend of mine works in wastewater treatment, but he said, um, you know, if you're going to put a filter on in your house, there's a difference between putting a filter at the inlet of the water to your house because this still has to go through the pipes. And, you know, if you change it before it goes through the pipes, that could possibly create a problem. And I guess there's ones right at the end of the tap where, you know, the filters at the last second, the last stage. And so that wouldn't apply. Where, where do your filters go? And have you observed the issue I just spoke about? Yeah. So with the difference between point of entry and point of use, you hit on one of the things absolutely correctly. So if you filter your water, then pass it through lead pipes, of course, the water can pick up lead along the way to the tap. So we make what are called point of use filters. So they connect right to the faucet. So there's really nothing going on downstream of it. The other thing to kind of point out about the point of entry filters, the whole house filters that you're talking about, is that there's there's trade-offs. You know, when you're filtering every drop of water that enters a home, you're not able to do it to the same degree as if you're just like, you know, pouring an occasional glass of water, you know, from your faucet or from your fridge. You know, if you look at homes water usage, you know, you might imagine that in it would be reasonable to say that you should prioritize the water that goes in your mouth. And maybe the water that you use to flush the toilet doesn't need to be filtered to the same extent, of course, right? So we, we focus on point of use filters and we make one that connects right to the faucet. We make one that connects right to the line that runs into your refrigerator. And we also connect one that uh, connects right to the shower head, just so there's nothing kind of going on, you know, downstream of it. And also that allows us to use really, really advanced technology to do a good job cleaning up the water. 
So do people have to send you a water sample when they request the filter or how does it work? No. So what's nice about it is there's a lot of water quality data out there. So all municipalities are required to submit water test data to EPA. This is all publicly available. We also look at state source water assessment programs, look at academic data. So university professors that like make measurements of water quality. And yeah, so we get our data from all over the place. And like by looking at the data holistically, you're actually able to do a better job than testing a single sample because we're actually able to see trends. So if like lead has been going up in a city for the past five years, that's useful information that you wouldn't get from a single water sample. You know, that said, we do have customers that are on private wells who, you know, they, they'll send us water quality samples or other times if sometimes we'll get data from someone in a really old home in a city that has a lot of lead pipes just to show how high their lead levels are. But we don't need that individual water sample because we're able to look at things holistically. Well, if I tell you, hey, I'll, Eric, I'll pay for it. I'm paranoid. I, I want to give you my water specifically as well. Will you guys accept it if I pay extra, let's say, and take my sample and then further customize it to me? Out of curiosity, how much do you think, how much would you be willing to pay for that? If I'm getting the water system, I don't know, I would think probably, uh, I don't know, at least a couple hundred bucks more because then all the filters I get from you will be further customized to me and not just like the overall water supply, you know? Right. So we make our water filters are about $200 a piece. And if you want to do a comprehensive test for the types of things if you want to match the level of data quality that we're able to get for free, you'd have to spend several thousands of dollars on that water test for a $200 filter, which oh, wow. you know, most people, yeah, it's, it's turns out chemistry is really expensive when you're operating like million dollar pieces of equipment run by PhDs, you know, contract labs. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. We spend a lot of money on testing just because, you know, just to test the performance of our filters. So yeah, we, we try to shoulder that cost for our customers. And again, okay. as I kind of mentioned earlier, it's like you actually don't get better data from one single data point because what if, you know, your lead levels were just low that day? We would, you would not want us to go in and just make a single, you know, make, build you a filter based off a single low lead measurement when maybe like your lead levels actually fluctuate, which is something that's quite common in homes. So what do you, I mean, without revealing a secret sauce, like how are the filters different if I'm in Washington, D.C. versus like Texas, you know, like Austin, Texas, or, you know, Seattle, et cetera? Sure. I mean, again, like you can just go right down to the water. So, I mean, Washington, D.C., we got our water from the Potomac River. We're also at the end of the Potomac River. So there's all of that potential contamination that takes place upstream. You know, you might imagine that Washington, D.C. has, it's an old city with lead pipes. So you might imagine that we use more lead removal media 
in an old city versus new construction in a, you know, in a, in a relatively new area that doesn't have lead pipes. Arsenic's another thing that's really important. Like arsenic, like there's some water sources that just don't have arsenic in it. And there's others that have really, really high levels of arsenic. In it. And that has to do entirely with the groundwater's geology. So, I mean, you know, we can use more arsenic removal media, you know, in, in the Southwest, in the Northeast as well. So yeah, there's different types of what's called active media. Those are, that's what allows us to filter certain things. And basically what we do is we just balance the different types of active media to match the water. Are there different levels of filtration? Like, you know, again, if I, I know I have a lot of lead and I have a lot of arsenic and other stuff, like, you know, maybe I'm, I live in the worst water quality place on earth and I want, you know, your stuff, do I need to get multiple filters or are there certain cases where you need like multi-stage filtration? What you might need to do is replace your filter more often if you have really, really high levels of like a lot of different things, because if you look, if you look at a water filter cartridge, the space is fixed. So there's only a set, certain amount of real estate that you can pack it with active media for. So, I mean, you know, in those scenarios, what we would recommend, you know, we have some customers that have very, very, very high arsenic levels in, in Arizona. And instead of changing their cartridge every six months, we advise that they change it every four months. So that's kind of what we would normally recommend. So what do people notice once the filter's in place? What do they tell you anecdotally is happening to them? Well, the taste is, is the obvious one. It's really funny because it's actually difficult to taste the absence of something. So if you're like drinking your water for the first time, you might not notice a giant taste difference. But once you've been drinking filtered water for, you know, say a couple months, then you go to a restaurant that doesn't filter the water the same, you notice. It's, we wish that there was an easy way just to like show people the contaminant. We wish that there was an easy and cheap way to show people the contaminant removal. But, you know, again, that's, it's just ec- not economically feasible. So in addition to the taste, do people notice health effects or not really? I mean, most issues with water are chronic issues, right? They take place over long amounts of time. So just by just by changing the water, you're not going to notice, you know, in, in nearly all cases, it's not like you're going to wake up the next day, you know, feeling cured. But what we do hear from people is they'll feel better because they're actually drinking more water and less like garbage soda and stuff like that because it doesn't taste terrible. So how long have these filters been in public use and what's some of the feedback you've gotten? So we started back in 2015. So we've gotten a lot of feedback. We have, you know, tens of thousands of these things out in the field. And we have really, really great reviews uh, from our customers. And we we have testimonials from our customers. It's always really wonderful to kind of, we have a, a group chat thread with the, with the science team where we just get people telling us really, really nice things about, you know, how they feel better about their water and stuff like that. So it's really quite rewarding. Feedback is nearly universally positive. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Again, I know you, you know this is not necessarily a medical device, but are there any anecdotal stories you've heard that piqued your curiosity that made you want to investigate further? We're not able to make those claims and we can't even hint at them. And that's something, you know, it's, that's a regulated market. And we, we do, we're a science-based organization, so we don't, we don't flirt with those lines and maybe the same ways that some of our competitors do. So are you going to be, do you have a commercial version of this for let's say hospitals or a coffee shop or a bigger company? Yeah. So hospitals are a regulated market. 
And they're very well served by engineering firms. So firms that have 24 seven, 365, if something goes down, they send a human being to their, you know, to on location to fix it. We're an e-commerce company. So we're focused mainly on residential. That said, we do have some restaurants and coffee shops and breweries and sourdough bread factories and, you know, people making sauerkraut and stuff like that that use our filters. Most of those people are local in Washington, D.C., though. Well, those kind of businesses would be really happy if they get their food tastes better to the consumer and then they get more business because of it. So I'm sure for some of them, like, they're probably happy because of that effect, right? Yeah, I think one of the things, it's interesting because we did a lot of market research on that. So we actually talked to a bunch of restaurants and the thing we just kept hearing from them over and over was, how do we get someone to know that our water is better, you know, before they walk in the restaurant? You know, normally the water is kind of an afterthought, right? Because most people, when they go out to dinner, they're getting beverages and, you know, they're primarily there for the food and the ambiance and water's kind of a secondary concern. That said, the industries that are absolute, where the water is absolutely critical, and without saying too much, like you might imagine, like ramen shops, where the water is a huge ingredient for their product, you know, that's where they're more discerning. You might imagine that coffee shops and tea shops are kind of the same way as well. So, you know, it's something we don't, in most of these cases, we're kind of their secret sauce. So they don't want to, they don't want us to kind of use them as, you know, use cases or testimonials, but we do have some that allow us to, to talk about it. Well, you need to help all the bagel shops from New York because they claim that the water in New York's unique and that's why there's no good bagels anywhere else in the world. So I know, right? That might be a market. Yeah, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be cool if we could crack that nut, right? Like you could actually get New York City bagels from using hydrogen filters. That would be, that'd be pretty amazing. Well, very good. So what's next, you know, what's the improvements you want to make on this? We... Right now we're, we're in growth mode. So we're, we're really emphasizing, you know, again, we're in a regulated market. So we've had to lock in some of our formulations and all this other stuff just so we could actually get the certifications we needed. So if we were to tweak those even further and unnecessarily, cause we've really been, you know, we've been developing this for about five years before we really started growing very fast. So. You know, the product development on our undersink system and our refrigerator line system, that's pretty locked in right now. What we're working on moving forward is how to how to make it easier to install and kind of some of the practical things. Um, that's where a lot of our product roadmap is. We also have some other kind of exciting products in the pipeline that we're not quite ready to announce yet. But, you know, you might imagine we're a water science company that works in homes and there might be some other products that we could um, help improve within someone's home as well. So we stay tuned for that. We're not quite there yet. We still have some tweaks we need to make, but we're really excited. Maybe you need to sponsor a cooking show with like a famous chef that only uses uh, water from the, the Hydro-Vive system, you know, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Do you know any famous chefs that'll do it on a small business budget? Not directly, but it would, yeah. you know, if they still had like Iron Chef or something, that'd be cool if you were, you know, that'd be you guys were the sponsor and they used your water and everything. You know? That'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, very good. What's the best way for people to find out about Hydrovive and to get your filters and get going? Best way is just go to our website, hydrovive.com, H-Y-D-R-O-V-I-V.com. And, you know, live chat is actually staffed by people that, know what they're talking about. These are water quality experts. You know, we don't have call centers or anything like that. You're actually talking to someone that 
knows what they're talking about and they're happy to help you out. Well, very good. Eric, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Have a great day. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.